Hello and welcome to the 20th Last Edit podcast. I know, 20 times. I implore you, go back, check out the other films we've covered. There might be something that you haven't seen or that you're really into, but here we are, 20. So yeah. this is a weekly film podcast with my amazing friend... Silver Hawkins. And myself, Citizen Sleeve. And we choose a different film in opposing weeks and then we discuss it for our podcast. Now this week was my choice and I chose a film which is... Oh, it makes me incredible. It destroys me emotionally, quite frankly. It's Roland Joff's 1984 film, The Killing Fields, starring Sam Waterson as, well, Sidney Schumann, a New York journalist who is friends with Dith Prom, played by Hang S. Noor, who won the Oscar in 1985 for Best Supporting Actor for this film. And they are journalists in Cambodia, Dithpran is, is Cambodian, who are trying to cover the, 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 the war. And it's a heart-wrenching film. The performances are amazing. Some of the cinematography is fantastic. There are moments which are incredibly harrowing and horrific and will sear into your mind and you, they will never leave you. And it's a film that has so much to say about a war that wasn't really covered in anywhere near the same capacity as, say, Vietnam. You know, there are plenty of Vietnam War films about the realities of that war. But the Cambodian War was is just as important and just as horrific for humanity to face. So it's a film I've seen periodically through my, throughout my life. It's a film I always go back to. It's a film that kind of... Uh, it's not a film to watch on a happy-go-lucky weekend with friends if you want a jolly good romp. It's a film which says a lot. And it's a film which, as we discussed before with Miller's Crossing, it's not a film you can really look away from because there is so much going on. Yeah. Uh, the action, the motion of the film is almost constantly driving for forward through the the horrors of the situation that Cambodia finds itself in. So, in essence, and really quickly... Cambodia war is taking place between the Cambodian armies, the government, and what's known as the Khmer Rouge. But also at the time, the Americans are getting involved. And during this conflict, they secretly, this is Ford initially and then Nixon as president, they bomb Cambodia. Well, no, Ford was after. Nixon. Ford was after. And then they bomb, they bomb Cambodia and then they send troops in, both without the Cambodians ever being informed. Yeah, they and drop. Uh, not only do they drop bombs on Cambodia, they drop half a million ton, uh, uh, like five hundred thousand tons of bombs. I think. Yeah, they seven million dollars worth or something. I think. Yeah, and they kill just... like three hundred thousand people. Yeah, yeah, like genocide. I mean, you know, it's 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 beyond fathomable. Which uh, helps cement uh, like sympathy for the Khmer Rouge, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where the film takes a huge turn for even worse things uh but we'll come to that okay so what did you think of killing fields had you seen it before i assume you had and and you know what do you think of it now i had seen it before but i don't think i'd really been able back then to give it sort of the the, the, the attention it needs um like i think it was a fairly shallow viewing i have of it i had of it back then like 20 years ago or something um mm. it's sadly not I mean, this is precisely the kind of film that I wanted to take part in this podcast for in order to highlight, because this this is not really a film that gets televised a lot. It's not a film that gets circulated. It's practically impossible to even find DVD or Blu-ray copies of it. Um, like, at least for me, uh, I've tried, but 
I haven't been able to really turn up anything on it. I think it's um, only um, easily accessible in the UK on Amazon, for instance, to rent because it's primarily a British film. Yeah. That's what it was seen as at the time, um, produced by Putnam. So that's probably one of the only reasons I could see it so easily. Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 sad that access to it is so restricted because this is a masterpiece. Um, yeah. It's... Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like a viewing experience, it is most comparable to Schindler's List. Um, hmm. Like we talked about before we started the podcast, it's it's sort of it starts off um, like a little slowly, but then it picks up, and from there it is just relentless, and it's hmm. nearly relentless misery outside of maybe like two places, which is uh, John Malkovich telling a joke, and. Uh, and the whole process where they try and sort of um, uh, falsify uh, a passport for um, for pawn, um, and outside of that, it's pretty much just constant misery. Yeah, it really um, is constant human misery, and it's it's really engaging. It's um, it's portrayed in a sort of documentary-like style uh, that is, I think, reminiscent that is owed to sort of the. Um, the lens through which we experience the film, which is through journalists like um, yeah. Sam Waterston's character, uh, Sydney, is a correspondent for the New York Times. Um, and uh, Prawn is his basically local interpreter, logistics guy. He's the guy who's responsible for sort of making sure that Sydney can get through to the various places in the country to report mm. from, the, from these places and so forth. Um, I think if I have a fault... Uh, to the film initially, it is that it sort of just drops you into the film without a whole lot of context um, to to the conflict that's going on and the situation in the in Cambodia at the time, which you just sketched. Um, it's something that I mean that that context mostly comes up later in a scene where um, Sydney's back in New York and is watching um, like old tapes of Nixon and news reports and so forth while. Yeah. Um, on the soundtrack, uh, they play uh, Nessun Dorma, sung by Pavarotti, um, which is a really sort of discordant um, song to, to, to the imagery that that, Very much so. that, that that they show in that sequence. Um, but yeah, I, I, w- I would have liked maybe like a text blurb or something explaining context a bit deeper or... but just to people who don't who aren't aware of the It's of, odd that you actually get that the after the, the film. You know, that kind of repositions what's happened since the film has ended, but you don't get that stop. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, especially because, like you say, it is it is tremendously important. I mean, it's not... American uh, involvement in Cambodia was mostly covert. Um, yeah. And it's important to realize that after this movie and after um, Pol Pot was actually kicked out of Cambodia by the Vietnamese, American and British governments continued to support Pol Pot, Pol Pot uh, yeah. with arms, with uh, logistics, and with uh, money so that he could fight um, the Vietnamese and so that he could retain an armed insurgency in Cambodia. Um, and that continued up through basically the 90s. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really tough film to, to kind of review because... It's not really, it's less of a film than it is an experience. Um, there are so many standout moments in the film, hmm. especially in terms of building suspense. Like one of the most suspenseful moments I've ever seen in a film is when um, after they go um, 
they go back to the hospital and uh, they're on their way out, uh, away from the hospital and they get captured by the Khmer Rouge. And they get lined up along with a lot of other people and these m many of these people are then subsequently just summarily shot and executed. And it's pretty clear that the intention of the Khmer Rouge is to shoot and execute uh, Sydney and the other uh, Western reporters. And then um, Diet uh, Prawn starts negotiating with them. And there's this suspense where they constantly sort of cut between them. And there's this suspense building of will they survive or won't they? And there seems the very mm -hmm. real possibility that that they won't until Diet Prawn is eventually able to negotiate for their lives for two cases of Coca-Colas. Uh, and, and that whole sequence, the way it's shot, the way it's set up, is just masterful. It is, and I think that's the word to use throughout a lot of this, the, the whole film, the sequences in the film. I mean, that, that point at which they've just seen the kid being operated on in the hospital and, and they know there's not enough blood. And there are moments that happen throughout this film. Yeah, when... and, that's, and, and, that, and that scene as well, where they go into the hospital and the walls are covered with blood, like yeah, pasted with it. And then, yeah. and then there's this deep-seated irony of the surgeon who's with the kid operating on the kid and mm. he's missing plasma even though the walls are soaked in blood no, they know where it is they just can't get to yeah. it but this this you know that when they come out and the Khmer surround them and capture them that the, the the height of the escalation is so high the Khmer is screaming the cuts are fast Dith Pran is 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 praying in front of them trying to get him to listen to release his friends even to get into the tank to be with them initially he has to give them her, yeah his watch drop. And slowly but surely, the tension is just ever so slightly diffused. And you can tell by Pran's speech and the way he's calmed down and the soldiers have slightly calmed down around him. But the tension is so high at that point. And the, the scene you mentioned before when... Uh, I guess we'll get there, actually. So, yeah, they're captured and, and eventually they're allowed their cameras and stuff back. But it, it's frightening just how easy it is for the Camar Rouge to take people from the streets and just execute them yeah. without any second thought. And not, maybe not even take them from, from from the street, just shoot them there on the shoot spot. Shoot them on the street. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no thought. And, and, and the more frightening thing is that a lot of this is done by child soldiers. And, and a lot of the reasoning for that will come to later in the film. But a lot of these executions, a lot of almost the leaders within the Khmer Rouge at the time were kids teenagers yeah. who'd been indoctrinated in this way of thinking and almost their first thought was if you do not exactly fit what you should fit in our thought process then you're dead you're gone you're, yeah i mean it's important to, to sort of underline that the Khmer rouge um like when once they got into power one of the things they sort of set out to do was they wanted a, a cambodian super race similar to, to nazi yeah. ideology where yeah they started similar to like uh, John Crow race laws and, and mm. the Nuremberg laws in Germany. They started to sort of divide, segment the population into different racial groups. So you had like a primary, you were a first citizen, you were a full citizen, you were a half citizen, mm. or you were a non-citizen. And, and you have different rights depending on which of these citizen groups you sort of fell into in terms of your ethnicity. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that was sort of the, the core of their of their agenda um yeah that ideology is is so prevalent without the, throughout the film especially as we come to the the second stage but yeah. but prior to that i mean as we said it starts off a little bit slow although 
the cinematography of the opening shots and the that yeah, that red the movie t- is the gorgeous t- throughout the yeah, the red titling just of the killing fields is so prominent and overt and those shots leading up to finally because of course Pran goes to the hospital he misses um, Sid when he first arrives and they know each other um, a bit because they've worked a bit before but that whole relationship and the way they play off one another and the way they're so protective of one another all the way through the film there's little changes throughout but I mean one of the first big moments is Sid goes to see one of the majors, Menger Reeves, I think, played by Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. And he won Military his... Attaché. American yeah, Military Attaché. His flight was delayed and, and something has gone down. Something has happened. He's heard that bombs have been dropped, that people have been killed. And this is the first secret thing that happens that the Cambodians aren't warned of by the Americans. And he just won't tell him anything. But he knows the truth. And he and Dithpran find a way to get to the area in which the bombs were dropped. You know, via via payments and, and via boat, and what they see when they get there is heartbreaking. Uh, this this whole city has been decimated by these bombs. There are bodies everywhere. There are screaming um, parents looking for their children. There's one moment when they they crouch for a minute, and a little boy grabs Sid's face and starts playing with it and smiling, and that kind of juxtaposition of the innocence of children up against this backdrop of just bloody carnage everywhere. Yeah. You know, the injured, the, the wounded, the dead, the screams, the shouting that's going on. And those moments throughout the film, they're always they're always incredibly difficult to watch, but they're so engaging because of the humanity within some of the situations that you see. Not always, certainly. Yes. Some of those situations. Absolutely. I completely agree. And the pace really, it never lets up, as you said. There's there's moments where there's lulls. Just little moments here and there. Yeah, but, but they're the, few and far between. They really are. And and that, again, is the chaos of war, and that's what this film is trying to show you. Nothing ever stops. However horrific things get, these people have to move forward. So then things just get worse and worse and worse. So the Camarouge are becoming stronger and stronger. The government is starting to be overthrown. Um the moment which which you mentioned where they're in the car and the tank comes is really when we first properly see the Camo Rouge and then yeah, we start I mean, there, seeing there, them there everywhere. Is, I think it's worth there there is a moment before then even where um There's two soldiers that where, are captured where in Waterston, that scene I talked yeah, where, about. Where Waterston Waterston um is captured and uh and Prawn are captured by the government forces when they go Oh and held, to, yeah, yeah. They go to inspect the that, that bombing site. Um and Waterston is still sort of really cavalier. Yeah, and really sort of arrogant. He doesn't quite get the magnitude of seriousness of of the predicament that he's in, and he's yeah. sort of insistent. No, I can just go take a leak or whatever. Like even though I want I'm, a cigarette, I'm under, capti- yeah. I'm under captivity here. Um, mm. And uh, and he just leaves basically, and then all of a sudden he gets uh, a rifle pointed at him uh, yeah. with the safety Reality off. With the safety off, yeah. And that's really sort of the first moment where he realizes, oh wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't quite have my pr- privilege anymore mm. um, of sort of being on the outside. Uh, all of a sudden, this got very, 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 very real, very, very quickly. Mm. Um, that's sort of the if that, the first. The only time really it changes sort of is the helicopters. Poignant. Yeah. When they come in and he hears them, and, and they're, because they're both asleep and they wake up, and uh, the helicopters come in, and he realizes it's the the U.S. Army's brought in the press corps. Yeah. Which is what he wanted in the first place. He just had to circumvent that because he got no information. 
Uh, and then he is back to kind of his bullshit, get me out of here, I've got rights on an American kind of self. But up until that point, yeah, you're right. That's one of the first moments when I think he realises, I could die here. So yeah. maybe, maybe shut your mouth, you know. I, the moment that really gets me, uh, there's bits later on, but the, the first moment that really gets me is the passport photo. Yeah. So, so at this point, Cambodia is screwed. Um, you know, the civil war is happening. The overthrowing of the of the original government is happening. Well, it's um, effect. It's effectively kind of over because by this point, the um, the Khmer Rouge is marching into the capital. And marching into the capital, but you get that almost fake sense of oh, it's okay just for a minute as well because they yeah, I mean, the, at, army at, at, at first they get the Khmer Rouge mm. get greeted as liberators, and even um, yeah. even. Uh, Pran is uh, greeting the streets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, finally, the civil war is over. Finally, we, no we can have fighting. peace. Yeah. We can have peace. Um, and of course, the, the reality it turns out to be much, much different. Um, yeah, well, fascist dictatorship to taken over the country. Yeah. And th- so then we have this. This just. It's one of the most tense scenes in film for me. You. So the embassy is starting to close. The American embassy is closed. They find their way. They've heard from the British embassy. Julian Sands' character Swain tells tells Sid that the French embassy might be the best place to go. So they end up in the French embassy. And the Camarouge want every Cambodian out. They want to take them because they want to get them to where they want to get them. They're slave camps out to, to, to certain parts of the country. Yeah, and they, have a, plan, they have a plan to evacuate every single city. Um, yeah. Which is quite ambitious. Especially, especially with the capital. Yeah, absolutely. And they come up with this plan where they're going to take a passport, they're going to alter it a bit, they're going to take a photo of Death Prawn and they're going to put it in there and they're going to fake it and he's going to get out with them. Oh, man. The whole scene is constructed so... It, it just tenseness of... The expectation, as with most Hollywood films that to do with war, that, that this scene comes out well. Yeah. That this this scene works. It doesn't. Malkovich and Swain, um, Alan Swain, sorry, are in, in the small dark room they found with with a passport, with, with really bad paper and liquids, trying to get a photo that, that fixes properly so they can put it in the passport. And then Al thinks he's done it. He gets it in a passport. It's hot. It's held for a while. Now they're all being asked by the French to give them their passports, all the journalists, so they're all passing them over. And Pran's kind of clinging onto his because he's still, he's still worried, he's still unsure. Sid comes over and takes it from him, puts both on the desk. And then later, unfortunately, Swain initially finds out that the photo has it's gone fucked. Yeah, and it's gone. And that is heartbreaking. Because the the speed of the scenes, the speed of that sequence, they're all they're all manically trying to do everything they can to help Prawn, but in the end, it's futile. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, also worth noting that at this at this point, Prawn has managed to evacuate his family. Um, yes, he has. Yeah, so it's just and, him uh, left, not gone himself. Yeah, he's yeah. chosen to stay with um, with Sydney, uh, Sam Waterston's character. Yeah, exactly, and. Uh, but the thing, and that scene as well, that's you know slightly heartbreaking because you see him start to cry when he's asked that question by Sydney, and he says, "I'm a journalist too. Yeah. I'm a reporter too. It's what I do, Cambodia or otherwise." But that's at the point where the film really changes. So the Americans, the journalists, um, the British journalists, etc., all evacuated. The French journalists, um, they go back to New York. He becomes journalist of the year, and the film slows down a bit. And we see him dealing with trying to 
find out where Pron is sending to different embassies his photo and letters to the Red Cross to all these different organisations and getting awards and stuff. And now and again we come back to to his search for Dith Pran. But one of the most poignant parts of the, of the film is the final third when Dith Pran has now been captured by the Khmer Rouge and is basically a slave in their fields initially. You know, I think what you sort of touched on it here, but I think to me what what the film's greatest achievement is to me, sort of, is that it completely avoids the um, the white saviour trope uh, that would have been here in pretty much any other film of this of yeah. this type or by any other sort of director where Sam Watson's character would have sort of kind of swept into Cambodia and sort of and gotten prawned out somehow. Yeah. But here he's just rendered completely impotent. There's yeah. there's nothing he can do. Um, and I think <clears throat> and that impotence is extremely poignant and powerful. Uh, much more so than than any sad satisfaction that would have been garnered by him um, sort of sweeping in and saving the day. Um, well, it's the true stark horror of war and the chaos of war. It's not this neat fix. It's not the Hollywood equilibrium system. It's, it's not, not even... I mean, I don't think it's even war because I don't think this is particularly a war, war film. It's it's deeper than that. Um, like, it doesn't really portray war as such. It portrays uh, ethnic conflict, certainly, Um but but I don't consider it a war film as such. I, I think it's more complicated than that. It's more well, of a... politics, themes of... Yeah, you know, politics, hu- absolutely. Huma- humanity and what is humanity? Yes, How do you define absolutely. it? Um, empathy, humans having empathy and not having empathy. The indoctrination of, of children. And yeah, you're right, it's not it's not just as simple as uh, the conflict of two sides. Yeah, I mean, there are no... There are no there, well, there's one kind of battle scene where the Khmer Rouge are storming a, a government position. Mm. Um, and where you see a kid basically sort of shutting their eyes and screaming um, yeah. while all the noise is going on, like machine gun fire and bullets are flying everywhere, yeah. mortar fire. Um, that's sort of the only real kind of battle scene I, I remember from the film anyway that sort of sticks out in my mind. But Yeah, it's much more about um, human cost yes. and survival. You know yes, what I mean? And, and just the casual... Again, like we talked about in Paths of Glory, sort of the casual disregard for human life. Yeah, as if it means Complete nothing. Complete dismissal. It costs nothing. Yes. Yeah. And no, no more do we see that when he is he's fully captured by the Khmer Rouge and the conditions that he and the fellow Cambodians are under. Um, initially, we see them in the fields. We see them scooping up clay. We see them under really harsh work conditions. Um, he tries to grow tomato plants at one point and then the indoctrinated kids are led by the leaders to rip up all the, the natural food they're trying to grow. Um, yeah. I mean, he does his... I mean, the big thing from uh, from Paul Pot was um, when he was uh, out uh, sort of in in the mountains uh, leading the helping to lead insurgencies, um, he came across these little isolated tribal rural communities that were self-sufficient. Um, like basically they grew their own food uh, they they operated independently and he sort of saw something admirable in that and he wanted to sort of expand that to the entire country and make the entire mm. country self-sufficient so no import, no anything no import of medicine either um, yeah, pure Cambodian, no outside yes, influence of any kind absolutely yeah. um, that was sort of the big thing um, and unfortunately proved to have predictably disastrous consequences yeah, hugely disastrous. I mean, 
some of the things you see in the film, especially with children. You know, there are there are moments um, we get past the kind of the work stuff, uh, but then we get to a point where we see the Thrawn in these little shack temples or huts almost, where the the leader of the Camarouge, one of the leaders, is talking to all these children and spouting this this ideological yeah, state can, that they this, should adopt. We are we are now in year zero. The revolution has begun. We're creating a new society. We are starting yeah. over. You can. The pasts of the uh, the sins of the past are okay as long as you confess, uh, and a number of people then come forward to sort of confess that mm. they had associations with Westerners or whatever. They learned French or English or whatever, uh, but then subsequently, after they've confessed, these people then go missing and are never yeah, from disappear. Again. Yeah, yeah. There's that really heartbreaking bit where the the there's the lesson going on, and Dithpran is just um, over the way looking in. And a kid is called up and stands up and walks to a board and crosses out a family and separates yeah, the children. Uh, from there's them. there's an illustration on the blackboard yeah. of um of like three kids holding the hands of their parents, um, mm. and then the kid goes over and uh, and washes out the uh, hand held between the child and the parent mm. um, because you must have love for nothing other than the state. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I've said the word before, but you know that's what's frightening about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is biographical. This isn't some fantastical, um, imaginative, you know, piece of war that's created for cinema. This is a thing that happened, and this film is one of the most truthful and honest depictions of war I think I've ever seen. I mean, the bit, the bits towards the end when so so Dithpran has tried to escape a number of times. Um, one of the first. I mean, there is there is a scene in in the work that I think we should ha- highlight in when mm. when they're in the forced labor, uh, where Prawn is out working the rice fields, um, and there is a little girl. She's I think maybe twelve or thirteen or something, um, and she sort of goes around and inspects the different workers, and she stops at one of the workers and she inspects yeah. his hands to see d- does it have calluses or something that that mm. indicates. Uh, the extent of his labor and and somehow he fails her test and so she just drags him off and they bring him down to his knees put a bag over his head and basically let him suffocate to get to death because they're not going to waste bullets on him and that's a really poignant and sort of disturbing scene at the emo- at the level of just disconnect that's that's occurred for these kids um very well, yeah, they, they, they're completely so brainwashed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So little value, and, and then and the kids and and then um, Prawn is sort of captured and uh, tied to a post or a tree yeah, after having um, the, all the hell beaten out of him by Kane. Yeah. yeah, and they leave him there, and then one of the other kids comes up, and it's a kid he interacted with earlier in the film and gave mm. uh, like a Mercedes hood ornament to, and the kid remembers the Mercedes hood ornament and then cuts the rope and frees uh, Prawn and leaves him uh, to sort of m- try and make his, his escape. And then we sort of see these sort of horror landscapes that, that he crosses, um, some of which are sort of meticulous recreations of, of actual photos from, from the killing fields of Cambodia, where especially the one like by the river of just all the, the, the skeletal bones and and human remains that are just like staggering in their scale. Oh, and, and the way he—I yeah, mean, that that whole sequence where he's on that that sl- slim bit of mud, um, yeah, with the river either side, with with dead bodies and bones, and 
uh, just the horror when he falls into a pit and he it's not that he doesn't know it's there but now he has to touch them and, and it's even more real but the fact that he gets up and carries on and pushes through this this torment is just uh, I mean a lot of people talk about films like Shawshank Redemption and you get that, that the hopeful end and the, the stuff he has to go through to get out this is I mean so much beyond that if you could imagine what horrors a single human being has to get to to escape the place they're in this is yeah, about and, as and worse I mean, with, with this with this film it's it's made even more so because of the context of the film itself because the film's actor uh, Hang uh, was a survivor of yeah of the killing fields yeah you know he was an he was an intellectual he was a doctor and like prawn in the film he had to play stupid he had to pretend no i don't know anything i'm just a stupid peasant uh, la di da and in order to survive um like a lot of the stuff that prawn goes through in the film you would imagine hang has seen first <laughs> or hand, gone yeah. through gone through himself yeah. and that like even like even this like this particular role must have been like going through all of the worst experiences of his life all over again all at once yeah completely and then and then he passes out from exhaustion um and and he's spotted by more Khmer Rouge who pick him up and he's captured again and he 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 lives in this this, this little house with this um chief within the Khmer Rouge who is constantly trying to get him to yeah, because speak he's, English he, or speak French. He sees right through him. He sees, uh, yeah, there, there's, absolutely. there's more to you, Pran, than, than you're yeah. adding on. You're but Pran is scared you're not just a stupid present. Well, he thinks it's an nefarious reasoning that this, this guy wants to know for obvious reasons. Well, he doesn't know. Um, I mean, he can't trust exactly. him. That's, exactly. That's why. He can't. He doesn't know specifically that there is nefarious intent, but he doesn't. he can't trust him because if he opens himself up, uh, he's liable to just get, to get shot on the spot. Yeah, executed again. I mean, and he he shows great love for this for this chief's son. Yeah, there's some really nice moments the way he look at, looks looks sings him a lullaby and stuff. Sings yeah. a lullaby and nurtures the boy, you know. And eventually, um, he speaks English to Dithpron and tells him that he doesn't. Well, agree they they with catch what's... Pran tries to sneak off during the night and listen oh, to a radio broadcast. The... Yeah. Yeah. And that's when that's when they catch him because he's listening to radio broadcasts in English, and at that point, you know, <laughs> yeah, at that well, point you can't you're really caught, caught red-handed. <laughs> um, yeah, but he puts his trust in him and he says, "Look, you need to protect my son because I'm going to say some stuff, and they don't really like me already, and I don't like them, and something might happen." So he slips him a map and some money for later use, so he he kind of knows where he's going and what what he's doing, and then. There's a scene where because, a young... Because they're summarily executing people just outside. Yeah, and there's a scene, he's looking out the window, and there's a little girl, well, girl who is executed, and that's the moment when he decides he has to do something. And when he goes outside, Dithpran is now taking the child, and they're trying to hide as best as they can. He goes outside, he's killed by another Khmer Rouge leader, as if it was nothing. Yeah, there's barely any acknowledgement of, of it at yeah. all. He just gets shot and everyone just... I don't even think he looks at him. I think he yeah. just... No. And, no. Ca- and then carries yeah. on walking. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's horrifying. So then we get to the, the, the final stage of the film where Pran is trying to protect this kid, is trying to take another few people with him from, from the village and just trying to protect themselves, hide when they can, move when they can and avoid at all costs the Khmer Rouge. And try and make for the border. And try, yeah, exactly. Try and make for the border. And 
There's a point at which the group split because there's an old man who's quite ill. He's been carried by one set. They're in the jungle. The Camarouge are there. They're hiding. They're being chased. And... <coughs> excuse me. Um, we come to a, a little section where they've avoided most people. And all of a sudden, the boy who's been carried by another Cambodian behind Prawn steps on a landmine. Yeah. And panic sets in. The guy doesn't know what to do. And Prawn is like, calm, calm, pass me the kid. And the mine goes off, and the kid dies, and so does the guy. And again, unlike well, I don't think, almost, I don't, I don't even think the kid dies then and there because Pran does pick him up, and then he picks him up. But I'm not but sure think, whether the body's already dead. Yeah, I mean that is that is open to interpretation. I mean, my my reading was that the boy was possibly alive when he picked him up and then died uh, on the way. Um, it's it's so certainly could be him. that. But yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? That's again, it's it's so anti what you'd expect to see in any. Typical Hollywood warfare. Yes, and it there's just th happens like that. Boom. There's, yeah. there's, there's yeah. nothing else. There's no inkling. There's no setup. As a normal view, viewer of movies... Who I mean, the, the, music, the music does sort of swell up enormously at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and might be the only clue as to that, that something's going to happen. But it's so quick as well. I mean, as yeah, you said, it's, it's it not is. just... There's no build-up. There's no sense of this, this child's going to die. It just happens, and it's just like a smack in the face. Another smack in the face. Yeah. You know, as a viewer uh, watching these atrocities. And another reminder of your complete and total impotence. Yeah. There's, you have no power. You have no strength. You have absolutely nothing you can do makes any difference. Um, which is really disillusioning and sort of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, Prawn just keeps going. He just keeps going. He just keeps going. He just keeps going. And eventually, he looks over the peak of a hill and he sees the Red Cross. And he knows that he's safe. And at that point, you know, the, the, the music kicks in a bit more. And I think... Yeah, at that point, I, that, that I actually found effective when the music kicked in there. Yeah. And, and got really sort of... Because the other points where the music had gotten a little obvious, um, it did feel like it sometimes called a little too much attention to itself and distracted from the scene itself. Um, it, it did and, and we talked before, prior to the podcast about some like I adore this film but there are some moments where the music doesn't really work there's obviously the the more overt uses to support the emotional base that's happening in the scene which is too much sometimes but also there's some incredibly discordant chaotic industrial music that happens when um, the US Army are, are coming in and things like that are happening and I can understand why but again it's like it, it has to be too obvious to support the theme on screen when I don't think it needed to be because this film is so subtle at times. Yeah, it is. You know, it doesn't doesn't it quite does, need that. that it does sometimes. so much with so very little. Um, it does performance wise. I mean, oh. so the British Cross then. So and at this point, I don't know how you feel, but for me, that was when I, I know I've seen this plenty of times before, but it's always at the point in the film when I go because <sighs> there's a slight sense of relief. And there's yeah. been almost no relief at all throughout the entire because film. it's been so relentless. So you're finally, yeah. you're finally out through, yeah. like like prawn. You're finally through to the other side. Exactly, exactly. So finally, finally, because Sid has sent out all these letters and photographs to the Red Cross, obviously to, to all these different organisations, he gets word that prawn is alive. And we we you know, see this in New York, and the, he scrambles about telling people and, and and tries to get to get out there. And the very final scene is both beautiful and has one major issue. The, the beauty of it is the relief that this guy who's been searching for 
Prawn for so long, and Prawn, who just wanted to see and help his friend, finally see each other. Prawn yeah. is called out by someone. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's like, "Who's someone's here for you?" And he walks. And Americans here. Yeah. And 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 just to say this as well, after all Prawn has been through, the last thing we see him do, apart from this very end sequence, he's with the Red Cross and he's helping an amputee. Um, it's the kindness of the man, given the circumstances and given what he's been through. Yeah, and and not only that, but when they when they embrace and uh, and Sydney asks him, "Can you forgive me, Prawn? Can you forgive me for leaving you and for not getting you out?" Uh, yeah. And Prawn answers, "Well, there's nothing to forgive you." Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 honestly, I think one of those beautiful endings to a film uh, I've ever seen. It, I agree. It, it's only it's only spoiled it gets me. somewhat by. By the John Lennon Imagine song, which is in the yeah. background, which is a little too obvious for me. Um, it is for yeah. that, um, where it didn't need it, uh, because that well, that moment is so satisfying and so effective. Exactly, in, in you, conveying you don't need that audible reinforcement all yeah. on its own. Yeah, you don't need the audible reinforcement all the time, and that's really my only criticism of the film. I mean, yes, it's a, it's beautifully shot. The cinematography is is gorgeous at times. Uh, the pacing is relentless, as war should be. It never performances cops out. are impeccable. Yeah, th- this film never cops out at any point. At any no. point where the film could easily tie its little bow and give us something happy, it doesn't because that's not what war is. It it unfurlows everything in front of us and shows us the realities of of true horror committed by people and tr- the true horror and the the cost of human life and yeah. the ways in which some people have to deal with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my only gripe would be some musical issues here and there, but oh man, I again, t- there's two, three, four times in this film. Doesn't matter how many times I watch it, I just choke up, just I do because it's so affecting. I think this is a seminal film, and it's a film that's even more important in in today's environment. I mean, mm. watching it, I was one of the things that kind of brought me a bit to tears was I watched recently. Um, Donald Trump gave a speech to I think it was like the Republican Jewish uh, convention or something where he was uh, he was ridiculing asylum seekers um, mm. and even taking in the very notion of taking in asylum seekers and refugees yeah. um, and the entire room was laughing yeah as if it's this t- horribly entire, bad thing not only that but people. the entire room of Jews it was a Jewish uh, assembly he was talking to and let's not forget that a lot of Jews who tried to flee Nazi Germany were turned away. Yeah, they were told, "No, we don't have room for you. No, we, we don't. We don't really believe you're in danger. You're a you're a wealthy uh, German surgeon or whatever. You're, you're you'll be fine." Yeah, uh, it's these despicable repeated patterns in history. Yes, yeah, and that's what this is yet again. Yeah, and and it's so prevalent now that it, it could have been made now. I mean, it's a film that, as you said, it it's not. It's not a war film. It's a drama that takes place in war, but it's real. And because it's, about, it's real, it's about the devaluation of human life. Human life, fundamentally, yeah. it's yeah. It's about what happens whenever we decide that there's an other or something that needs to be purged. That there yeah. are undesirables. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know whether these people are Jews, whether they are other ethnicities that don't fit in with whatever image we want. Exactly, you know, religious groups, whether it's a different culture, whether it's just, well, in this case, Cambodians. I mean, it's 
it's a film I think you should all see. If anyone out Absolutely. there has not seen this film, it's it's one of the it, most important. It can. I mean, unfortunately, so it can be really difficult to, to track down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I managed to find um, a copy that's not entirely legal. Unfortunately, um, I would imagine it's not entirely legal uh, that I could watch online. But but that was the only out that I had for it. Um, I would happily buy this film, but I can't find it on the market. Tell you where you might be able to get it. I've just thought, and it won't be on there yet, but it's the kind of thing they'd certainly add. Because, it, I mean, again, UK, easy for me to find on Amazon. It might even be relatively okay to find in America, but there's going to be pockets around the world you can't find it. Um, but the Criterion Collection streaming service, it's exactly the kind of film that they would probably have on that service. So right. I'd keep an eye on that streaming service because they, they take these kind of films and, and uh, not a lot of other different companies tend to. You know, Their collection is not just obscure films, important films, films that maybe have uh, vanished in the passages of time, those kind of things. So yeah, keep an eye on the Criterion collection for those type of films, I would. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, just just watch this film if you can. It's an incredibly important film. It's an incredibly prevalent film. And it talks about humanity like very few others do. So, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't... Com- like you say, it doesn't compromise. It doesn't take the doesn't easy compromise. way out. It doesn't, um, it doesn't yeah. pander to the whole, uh, like, white saviour trope that yeah. we see so often where um, where it takes the Westerner or whatever to, to sort of save... Um, the people in danger here Pron has to save himself um, and he's the only one who can in the end because yeah. nothing else works and, and that's often the way of the world and the way of yes. horrific events like this I mean that that's also historically you know what happened with with, with Pron there was nothing Sidney could do to get him out he could only yeah. like hope for the best hope he'd, he'd basically given Pron up for dead uh, towards the yeah. end um, until well, he was fight, that scene in the bathroom with Malkovich, isn't there, where Malkovich is really angry. He's at the award show, and Malkovich is really angry with Al's character. Um, and starts saying, look, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough to bring him home. You didn't you know, do enough. And he says, I'm doing everything I can. They won't let me back in. They won't let me fly. I've sent letters and called every single agency on Earth that I can I can think of that can help. And, yeah, he's, he's almost given up by then. But Yeah, and I think, <sighs> I mean, that's also, I think, in part driven on in part by Malkovich's character, by his own guilt. Oh, yeah, yeah. That he's, yeah. Uh, that um, that Sidney sort of becomes a convenient scapegoat for him to sort of allay his own uh, responsibility in that whole situation. To, onto, Especially the photograph not working. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Right, go watch it. Go watch Killing Fields, Roland Joff, 1984. It's a sublime masterpiece in the true horror of war. Yeah, and I mean, it, I think we should uh, call out um, Hang's performance because Hang was not a trained actor. He was no, basically he just uh, he's a doctor, a uh, pediatrician, a Cambod- Cambodian refugee that came to America yeah. and then was discovered and cast in, in this role and, and he's sublime in it. And, and won an Oscar he has this really wonderful he has performances. He has this earnest sincerity that really shines through throughout the entire film and this sort of yeah, the- Unwavering of, truthfulness. Yeah, and optimism that sort of carries through, even through the most harrowing ordeals. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what to say. I just... Just what, please watch this film if you can. Uh, there are many films we watch that we uh, we admire, and this is one that um, deserves your admiration and your... Absolutely it does. Right. Next week, Silver. What do you have for us? Uh, it's going to be another sort of 
uh, somewhat older film um, from 73. Uh, it's going to be Fred Cinnamon's Day of the Jackal, which is, I think, one of the most seminal uh, films in terms of building suspense, um, like slow burn thriller. Um, it's a film that I return to every now and then and has held up throughout the years for me. Uh, it will be interesting to see if it still does. I suspect it does. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy that film as just on a technical level in terms of its craftsmanship and just the way it builds suspense, I think, and the way it sort of portrays police investigative work um, is really compelling. Probably a film I haven't seen for 15 years. I would say not not quite as bad as some of the films we've we've, we've seen, of course, or all yeah. we watched. But certainly a film I haven't seen for a long time. Right. Well, thank you very much for watching, as ever. Talk to us in the comments um, about Killing Field, about you know how did it affect you, about parts of the, the the film that 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 really kind of shocked you and blindsided you, and and what you thought about. Did you even know about the Cambodian conflict prior to this film? Um, yeah, I have to admit my my own knowledge on the conflict is is uh, somewhat superficial. I haven't really. No, 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 exactly. I haven't really Most read, of mine came um, from this film. In depth about it. Um, like only like tangential articles here and there. Uh, yeah. In sort of remembrance of the per of anniversaries as they came up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, over 2 million people died in this genocide. Um, yeah. And, and if you go look up the images from it, it's, um, I mean, it's beyond Haunting. harrowing. It's, yeah. It's straight out of the Holocaust or worse. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. incredibly not good. <laughs> right, somber end. But we're never that somber for long. Thank you for watching the Last Edit Podcast. Come and watch us next week. We'll be about We Love That Obscure Film Thing. I have been Citizen Sleeve. And I've been Silver Hawkins. Take it easy, folks. Have a good week. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>